Hello and welcome to Scram, the podcast passionate about the Scottish food and drink scene. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and as it's still January, two things spring to mind. Veganuary and Burns Night, and what a wonderful pairing for 2023. On this episode of Scran, we look at the delightful ways to celebrate Burns Night, but doing so in a vegan manner. First up, I talk to Emma Ray, a vegan chef with lots of hints and tips for anyone hosting a Burns Supper, or indeed attending one. I talk to her about the challenges you can come up against when planning a vegan dinner party, as well as what her experience has been in the growth and popularity of veganism in recent years. My main thing to say to them was would be that it, it will be tasty, like it's going to be good. If you <laughs> if you stick to kind of the, the classic flavours of a haggis and, you know, sort of potatoes and the sort of base flavours, are the same vegan or in a carnivorous diet. A lot of it's the spicing and the seasoning. So if you can get that right, no one will know. No one will be able to tell any different and they'll think it's delicious anyway. (laughs) I'm very excited to share with you a Burns poem to celebrate the National Bard, read by none other than Scottish actor James Cosmo. Visit Scotland kindly shared this recording with us, having carried out research this year that showed this piece to a moose is in fact Scotland's favourite Burns poem. Many of you may remember learning it at school. I know I do. Thy wee bit hoosie too and ruin The silly walls the winds are strewing And nason now to big a new un O' foggage green Next up, I speak to Peter Holroyd from Kingsburn Distillery, who gave me the history of the small family-run distillery and his recommendation for the kind of whisky he would choose for any haggis pairing. With whisky, you're either going to go with something that kind of is a contrast or that is kind of similar in some way to the foods. Finally, I chatted to Diana Thompson from Wine Events Scotland, who you may remember from previous episodes of Scran. Diana gets into some of the technical side of why some wine is vegan and some isn't, as well as giving us some recommendations for wine pairings for a vegan burn supper, without leaving those of you doing dry January out either. It all goes back to that mostly it's the fining process. And the fining process is what stops wine from having some bits in it effectively. And it removes the very small particles of sediment which appear during this winemaking process. We hope you enjoy our celebration of Burns. Slanjava. I'm now joined by Chef Emma Ray. Hi, Emma, how are you? Hi, good, thank you. Thanks for having me. That's okay, thanks for coming on. Uh, so we are talking all things Burns Night and vegan foods, um, trying to combine the two because it's also Veganuary. Yeah. But before we kind of get into all that, could you just tell us a little bit about your job just now and what it is you do? Yeah, so I currently work for a company called Milk. I'm the operational and also catering manager. So we do sort of events and catering for offices and parties, as well as having five cafes across Edinburgh. So I do sort of a mixture of admin and chefing and uh, (laughs) yeah, sort of a combination of both at the moment. But in the past, you have been a solely vegan chef, is that right? Yes. So um, for the Previous to about March last year, um, I've been a solely vegan chef for about six years. 
Are you a vegan yourself? I am, yeah. I have been vegan for coming up on seven years now. Okay, cool. What kind of challenges would you um, expect people to maybe come across when they're trying to be vegan for burns? If you're going to someone else's house is where kind of like you can fall into some tricky bits because making your own vegan version of things is, I think, pretty easy and you can get very good either replacements or alternatives to a lot of things that are meat-based. But it's when you're going around to someone else's house to eat or going out to eat. There's a lot of traditionally a lot of meat, cream, butter, all things that are not so vegan. (laughs) (laughs) The way that I would get around if I was going to a friend's house or a family member's house is I always offer to take a dish or two, but enough for, you know, not just myself or well, the vegans bring enough for everyone so everyone can try it. And that's a way of, you know, contributing to the dinner, but also it means that there's options for you as well. Um, so if if someone is cooking for themselves and maybe, you know, gathering people for Burns Night at home, what kind of recipes or dishes would you recommend? So it depends kind of what style of meal, I guess, you're doing. If you're going sort of traditional, the normal starter for like Burns Nights is like a Cullen skink. So obviously like a smoked fish soup, so not so vegan. But you can do other really good, equally creamy smoked soups. I really like a smoked Jerusalem artichoke soup. It's got the same kind of like hearty, warm, creamy element to it. If you want to be a little bit fancy whack a bit of truffle oil on there, make it kind of like an occasion thing. So that would be kind of like my step in for a, a Cullen skink. In terms of mains, haggis, obviously not vegan, but like 99% of veggie haggis out there that you can buy is actually vegan accidentally. So that's like an easy swap. Or you can actually make your own sort of lentil haggis meat pretty easily. It's sort of onions, garlic, lentils mushrooms sunflower seeds for a bit of texture and you go in there with like some pearl barley and oats in the same way that you would with with regular haggis so you can make your own if you don't like the idea of buying a vegan version of haggis because you're not sure about the ingredients and things you can make a really good lentil haggis at home and that is also can be used as a mince meat so you can you know if you don't want to go traditional route of uh, actual haggis you can do anything that you do mincemeat for. So whether it was like a sort of shepherd's pie or something like that, but with a lentil haggis sort of meat instead. Um, So that's really easy to, a really easy swap out. My favourite thing I think of uh, (laughs) a Burns Night Supper is actually the Sweden carrot mash that I normally would do on the side. And the, the trick I think to a good mash is leaving it a little bit chunky. Don't make it super smooth. Mash it just with a fork. And there's a vegan butter called Naturally. It's wrapped black paper. You can get it in most supermarkets, but that is the best vegan butter by far. And loads of that, and a load of oat cream and plenty of salt. And that makes like the best mash. And I guarantee no one will know it's like vegan, not got real butter in and everyone will love it. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, what about dessert? Because I know Kranikin is quite a big thing and that's a lot of cream, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of cream. You can get really good cream replacement. Oatly are my sort of favorite, I guess, non-dairy dairy brand. Oatly heavy whipping cream is really, really good. 
and you can't really tell the difference. But if you wanted to go maybe a bit lighter or or healthier, Oatly do a Greek style yogurt, which is made of oats, but it's a little bit less dense and, you know, not quite so heavy. Whiskey, I'm pretty sure 99% of whiskey is naturally vegan anyway. So that's easy in a Kranichin. And the only thing that you have to think about is honey. If you're plant-based, a lot of plant people who are plant-based eat honey, but if you're fully vegan, you don't. So an easy swap out for that would just be sort of like a maple syrup as your sweetener. So something like that. The traditional, I guess, also dessert would be a clouty dumpling, but that's pretty pretty intense and pretty heavy, but um, not something I would normally go for. But one of my favorite desserts that's, a lot, again, along the same lines of being warming is a, like a ginger and apple sticky toffee pudding. And you can really easily make a sticky toffee pudding vegan, toffee sauce with vegan butter again. And that with a really good quality vegan ice cream is delicious. I've also discovered Nigella's vegan gingerbread, which I make for my boyfriend's mum. And it is like unbelievable. You wouldn't know. And it's it's a bit like a sticky toffee pudding. Yeah. No, so good. I mean, you can kind of turn any of those ginger, apple cake, you know, any sort of dark sugar loaves or puddings, you can sort of botch into your own sticky toffee pudding by making like a good toffee sauce and just whack it in the oven. And you can, yeah, you can turn all those kind of into your own version of a sticky toffee. And that's always, always a people pleaser. Do you have any plans for Burns Night? I actually think I'm going to a Kaylee. <laughs> There's a charity Kaylee being held by, I can't remember what, I think it actually might be the Whiskey Society at one of the universities. One of my friends has invited me to go to that, so I think that I'm going to be Kayleeing. Nice. And are you going to be having a meal as well? Not that I know of. I think that I'm going to do sort of a meal at mine first. So you you can be in control of the vegan elements then? Yeah, exactly. And most of my friends, well, I mean, it helps that I'm a chef, but they're, you know, they're more than happy to come around and have food cooked for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can imagine. Um, so just within your job, so obviously you've you've been a chef for a vegan restaurant, you're now kind of not, but what, what has it been like throughout your career to prepare non-vegan food for people at being a vegan? Is it challenging or are you kind of okay with it? It's changed quite a lot, actually. So when I first started working as a vegan chef, it would have been 2014. I started in a really small vegan cafe in West London. And there wasn't where we were, there wasn't really the demand for it. We'd have, you know, people coming in and asking for baking sandwiches and all kinds of things, sort of presuming it was a regular cafe. And it, we sort of had to, I guess, convince people or sort of explain to them what we were. But throughout the years, there's obviously more and more demand for more vegan food. But also I moved into a slightly different setup in that I was in a, a fully vegan restaurant in West London. And it was sort of well known and still is very well known for being a good vegan spot so people would sort of travel from London you know all over London to come there as like a sort of destination meal so and I have also I did a pop-up in New York with Pharmacy who's the company that I worked with in London and um, we did a six-month pop-up restaurant in New York to kind of test out the the waters in America and see see what the vibe was over there and they actually loved it. It was it was a de very different experience working over there. The American sort of work ethic and kitchen environment is so different. We hired all American chefs apart from myself being the head chef. 
So trying to train sort of a whole different team with our recipes was uh, was interesting. But the the food, the vegan food was really well received by everyone. And I think there's definitely, I mean, I think it's kind of evident to people that it's becoming more and more popular all the time. There's like more demand for it. There's always more options, like if you're going to supermarket or restaurants or cafes or whatever. There's always this seems to be more and more options popping up, which is obviously a good thing for me. Yeah, I was going to say, and how do you how do you feel about things like veganuary? Have you have you noticed that, you know, the people, maybe, you, do you know anyone who's done it who's stayed vegan? Or like, how do you feel? Do you think it's a bit faddy or do you think it's a good thing? I mean, I, I, do, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's always a good thing if people are eating a little bit less meat and things. It's It's got to be a good step in the right direction, even if it's just for a month. That's a month that they would have been, you know, otherwise eating meat. I know quite a few people who have done veganuary. Not all of them, in fact, I'm not sure any of them have stayed fully vegan, but a lot of them have gone veggie or sort of cut things out. So I think for the majority of people that do it sort of as a a trend for veganuary, a lot of them maybe don't stay vegan, but they see that, that actually they can eat a balanced, tasty, nutritious diet that doesn't have to include all the time for them, eggs, meat, you know, dairy, fish, whatever. So I, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that if there's more recipes out there during that month, there's more, you know, awareness about different alternatives to things. I think people do at least sort of incorporate it into their day-to-day lives, whether they turn vegan or not. They, they tend to reduce, you know, meat and things like that. Which so yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing for sure. And if you could give some tips to someone who is doing veganity who isn't normally vegan and is doing their own burns, what would your main tip be? Ooh, my main tip would be make a dish that everyone likes and you make enough for everyone. Um, I actually would suggest hosting, which maybe sounds a bit intimidating if you're not normally doing a vegan thing. But I think make it fun. Maybe have your friends around and do it together, sort of cook together. But also, if you're hosting at yours, you've got full control of all the ingredients. And my main thing to say to them was would be that it, it will be tasty. Like, it's going to be good. If you <laughs> if you stick to kind of the, the classic flavours of a haggis and, you know, sort of potatoes and the sort of base flavours are the same vegan or in a carnivorous diet. A lot of it's the spicing and the seasoning. So if you can get that right no one will know no one will be able to tell any different and they'll think it's delicious anyway because <laughs> I feel like as well like a few years ago if you know somebody said they're vegan there was a lot of kind of like eye rolling whereas now I think it's a bit more accepted you know people are more willing to try it even ones who like maybe are like full full on carnivore they're a bit more like okay I'll give it a go like especially when it comes to like you know oat milk in your coffee or you know like the little things you that end up people do now that they maybe didn't do before yeah I think there used to be certainly a bit of a sort of stigma attached to being vegan you know you'd say oh I'm plant-based or I'm vegan and people would assume that you sort of only ate salads and you wore felt trousers and you know whatever which I mean if that's your vibe sure but I think with it becoming more and more mainstream people have realized that actually you can have this is not you know just related to burns night obviously but you can have burgers and pizzas and there's there's like junk food options and pretty much everything that you can eat in a sort of, I'd say, normal, in quotes, diet. If you want to, you can get a replacement for for pretty much everything these days. So I think it makes it a lot easier for people as well. Because if they're craving a bacon sandwich, 
is it exactly the same? No, but there is vegan bacon that you can kind of get the the sort of fix of, I guess. Definitely a lot less stigma around it. No, you know, people don't necessarily think you're a giant hippie or whatever these days. <laughs> cool. Um, well, what is uh, so? What's in store for your 2023? So I am hoping. At some point during 2023, we'll see, depending on what the world does, I actually really want to open up my own cafe or deli. And I've been looking at it for the past sort of year or so. I actually looked at it pre-COVID, but obviously sort of things went a bit awry. And now I'm sort of, mm, where things are on pause a little bit while we figure out energy crisis and all that sort of thing and bills but the plan and the hope is by the end of 2023 I'll have a fully vegan based in Edinburgh deli sort of cafe spot so that's the plan so fingers crossed <laughs> we'll watch the space that'll be great yeah. um well thank you for your time Emma and um yeah looking forward to uh, seeing everyone's vegan burns nights cool thank you so much and um yeah everyone take pictures <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We sleek it, corn timorous beastie. Oh, what a panic's in thy breastie. Thou needna start a war so hasty, with bicker and brattle. I would be late to run and chase thee, with mother and paddle. I'm truly sorry man's dominion has broken nature's social union and justifies that ill opinion which makes thee startle at me thy poor earthborn companion and fellow mortal. I doubt no whiles, but thou may thieve what then, poor beastie, thou mun live. A daemonicker and a thrave is a small requit. I'll get a blessing with a lave and never miss it. Thy wee but hoosie to and ruin the silly wars the winds are strewing and nasen now to big a newin O foggage green, and bleak December's winds ensuing, both snell and keen. Thou saw the fields laid bare and waste, and weary winters coming fast, and coozy here beneath the blast thou thought to dwell, till crash the cruel coulter passed out through thy cell. That wee bit heap o' leaves and stubble has cost thee money a weary nibble. Now thou's turned out for all thy trouble, but house or hold, to thaw the winter's sleety dribble and cranrach cold. But Moosey, thou art no thy lane, in proving foresight may be vain. The best laid schemes o' mice and men gang after glay and lee us naught but grief and pain for promised joy. Still thou art blessed compared with me. The present only toucheth thee. But och, I backward cast my e on prospects drear and forward, though I cannot see, I guess and fear.
I'm joined by Peter from Kings Barnes Distillery. Hi, Peter. How are you? Hello, not bad. How's yourself? Good, yeah. Good. Slightly cold on this January day. We're looking forward to Burns Night, which is happening this month. But f- with you, we're going to talk whiskey. So before we get into it all, could you just sort of give me a little overview on your job and what you do at the distillery? Yeah, no worries. Uh, my name is Peter Holroyd. I'm the distillery manager here at Kings Barnes Distillery. And we're a small family run, independently owned uh, whiskey producer um, based out here in the East Nuke of Fife. About as far east in Fife as you can as you can get, really, um, just outside of Crail. And essentially, we're making a very light and kind of fruity, floral style of whiskey, something that goes for any occasion, I would like to think. And yeah, we're producing about thirty-four barrels a week as well. So we're we're not massive. We're not one of the big players, but um, we think every drop counts. <laughs> and your job is you just kind of oversee all, or are you also part of very hands-on in the making of it as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a very small team here. We've got uh, three three or four distillers, all in all, myself included. I'm involved in every aspect of the production from, you know, malt in to spirit going into casks. As I say, it's, a, it's quite a small business. So the benefit in that is, you know, you get your hands stuck in a wee bit of, of everything. You're not just filling casks all day. You're involved in a little bit of the production side, a little bit of the marketing side. Uh, a little bit of the the tour experience as well because um, we have a visitor center here in a cafe, so we're uh, we're trying to kind of showcase and, and and show people what we do as well. Um, so that's a, uh, a another side of the business. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of it's um, taking in casks, sending out spirit, you know, everything as I say from from grain to bottle. Really, what is the history of Kings Barnes? Do you have like quite a, a long history, or are you quite new, or you know, what what is the sort of story of the distillery? So we uh, opened our doors in twenty fourteen, but um, going back a step, the idea to to establish the distillery was actually that of a local golf caddy. But it was really when the Weems family came on board, our owners got ancient links and. Um, you know they're quite an ancestral family here in this area. You see, you see the Weems name and, and the place names and uh, and what have you. They established uh, Weems Malts, an independent bottler and a whiskey blender, back in two thousand and five. And it was really in 2012, 2013 when the distillery really got the injection of cash and of knowledge and of industry contacts that you get from having the Weems family run it. So they really spearheaded it thereafter. And we've been running, as I say, since 2014. Yeah, so we're independently owned, family run. There's not many, very many Scottish families running distilleries now. Um, a lot of them are big international or corporate distilleries, but we kind of pride ourselves on being one of the being one of the smaller ones, I suppose. Nice. So just for anyone that doesn't know, so as I said, we're talking Burns Night, we're talking vegan or veganuary, merging the two. So whiskey is vegan, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but for any avoidance of doubt, whiskey is vegan, correct? <laughs> yes, as far as I'm aware. Although I had a look at, look, look at sherry and at least on the internet, it seems as though some sherries are not vegan. Um, and obviously the whiskey industry uses some sherry casks. But I think that's a very, very small proportion. It's, it's to do with what um, the sherry producers might use for finings to to find their sherry, to kind of get it to clear. And I think in the past, you know, my, my background's in brewing. For, for producing beer, they use uh, something called isinglass, um, which is strangely, it's a, it's a product that comes from fish's swim bladders. And it 
helps to clear the beer. Nothing like that is used in whiskey, though. Um, you know, if you if you buy a bottle of Dream to Dram, which is our flagship malt, it's it's not got any of that in it. It's just from bourbon barrels and and shaved toasted recharge casks as well. So I'm confident in saying that whiskey's vegan, especially anything that's had you know just bourbon casks in it. That's that's definitely the case. So that's a good tip for anyone vegan. So if you're going out uh, to buy whiskey for your uh, vegan burn supper, look for bourbon casks. From your point of view, Peter, if I was sitting down tomorrow to a vegan meal, whether it's a veggie haggis or you know a plant-based burn supper, what whiskies would you recommend would go with something that's maybe a little bit spicy, got quite a lot of veg obviously in it, that, that kind of thing? With whiskey, you're either going to go with something that kind of is a contrast or that is kind of similar in some way to the foods. I would probably go with something that's like a bit rich and a bit more fruity. Burn supper, I think pepper when I think of, of burns because you get a lot of pepper in, in haggis, be it veggie haggis or the, the old traditional real deal haggis. I would probably actually go with something that's maybe a little bit more rich, something that's got a little bit more of a full path to it rather than rather than something lighter. Yeah, and if you're anything like me, you put far too much pepper in the turnip because it literally doesn't taste of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of these people that doesn't like turnip. I don't know about you. Do you? Are you a fan? I, I don't I don't love it. I would have to put a lot of butter and a lot of pepper in it. And obviously, if you're vegan, you're not going to do that. But I must, I, I think there's some good spreads. There's some good like olive oil spreads and stuff that would work. Okay. So, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't eat it all the time, but I, yeah, I'll have yeah. some on Burns night. Which leads me to my next question. How are you going to celebrate Burns if you celebrate Burns? You know, I don't have anything planned yet for it. I might might go for a might go for a wee uh, haggis. And my partner's vegetarian, so we always uh, get vegetarian haggis anyway. Why not? We'll go for a, a wee haggis neeps, neeps and tatties. But um, as I say, there'll probably be some some neeps left in my plate. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you very much, and thank you for your time. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Good to chat. Thank you. I'm now joined by Diana Thompson of Wine Events Scotland. Hi, Diana. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Russ. Nice to see you. You too. Could you just tell us a little bit about what it is you do for anyone that doesn't know? Great, thank you. Yes, so I run Wine Events Scotland, um, and I organise various wine festivals. We've got one coming up on the third of June with Oz Clark at the Assembly Rooms in Edinburgh. Um, that's called Edinburgh Uncorked. So the idea is it's all great wines at great prices. So whatever the price level, whether it's entry level or top end, it's offering great value for money and it'd be a lot of fun, of course. Um, And I also teach WSET, which is the Wine and Spirit Education Trust, and um, continuing on with lots of Zoom tastings as well and other ones in person. We're talking burns, we're talking vegan. If you were vegan celebrating burns and you wanted to have wine with your meal, what kind of wines are vegan and what makes a wine vegan or not vegan? Right. Okay. So it all goes back to the mostly it's the fining process. And the fining process is what stops wine from having sort of bits in it effectively. And it removes the very small particles of sediment which appear during this winemaking process. I'm trying not to be too too geeky about it, but you effectively get these negative and positive charged particles within the wine and they act rather like magnets. They either repel or attract to one another. 
If they attract, that's great, and they fall to the bottom of the vessel. And if they repel, they stay suspended. And so these suspended particles need to bind with particles of effectively the opposite charge so they become neutral and fall, fall to the bottom of the vessel. So that's where the fining agent comes in. Now, traditionally, it's, they were all animal proteins. So egg whites were used, which is often used in cooking. If anyone's ever made aspic jelly, for instance, you'll use egg whites to fine it, to clear it. Uh, casein is another which is found in milk, gelatin, which is found in pig skin, dare I say. And then possibly the oldest one of all is isinglass. Um, and that is found in the membrane of fish swim bladder. It probably sounds horrible, um, but it basically is a form of collagen. And that's been used for centuries and it dates back to Roman times, as we are aware. So, but nowadays, as winemaking is sort of modernised and these traditional animal related products, processes aren't actually being used and they've been replaced by often um, better or preferred plant-derived ones. So the classic ones are um, bentonite, which is effectively a form of clay. Um, that's also used in beauty products, um, face masks, and also vegetable pea protein. So quite simply, those are used for fining instead of the animal products. Other animal-related products that might appear are beeswax, which is just used for sealing the wine, or what's called agglomerate corks. So those are corks where they've got bits of bits of cork, and the um, they've been glued together to form the cork, and they use a milk-based glue effectively. But we don't see aglo or agglomerate corks so often these days. So that's how um, a wine can not be vegan, because obviously it's from grapes, so a lot of people think well, it should be vegan. Now, that's really interesting. I didn't realise about the corks either. So if you wanted to go for a fully vegan wine, how do you find out whether or not your wine is vegan? Yes, that well, that's that's the thing. A lot of producers have signed up and, and become accredited, but it is expensive. And so, you know, going going back to that, you know, unless they've actually signed up to this and, and got the sort of the, the logo on the back, you can't tell so easily. Interestingly, there's a, there's a US website called Barnivore, which is B-A-R-N-I-V-O-R-E dot com. And they've got almost 57,000 wines listed on there. So it's a search facility and it's really easy to um to look at it so if you're wanting to find out whether a vine a, a wine that you like is vegan barnivore is, is probably your best bet but otherwise you know a lot of producers are producing vegan wines just as a matter of course and not because they want it to be vegan but it just happens to be vegan and and also you can see do a search facility so um i mean classic ones majestic and I know Majestic and Waitrose and also Lathwaite's have a search facility. Interesting, Majestic have, I think they've got 510, I looked this morning, wines listed as vegan. And apparently they had 29 in 2018. And Waitrose Cellar, I think, have got just under 500 as well. And Lathwaite's last year for Veganuary, they looked at their search facility and um, they saw a 20% increase just in January of who's searching for vegan wines. So obviously it is It is all cottoning on. Yeah, well, that's brilliant. So it's, And that's good for vegans because obviously, you know, you've, it's easy to find and there's a lot more choice these days. Yes, yes. But again, it, it is difficult to tell because not all producers, particularly the smaller ones, 
are wanting to go through the the accreditation process because it is it's quite lengthy and and expensive. So uh, to go back to Burns Night, if I was sitting down to have a veggie haggis, for example, what kind of wine recommendations would you have? Right. So I think I mean I always go back to some people might want fierce, some might red or white. I mean a classic one would be red. But white wines go very well, or even rosé, um, Mutankade rosé, which you can get from Slurp, that is vegan. And and then on whites, there's a great one, Wither Hills from New Zealand, which is a Sauvignon Blanc in, available in Waitrose. Um, and it's quite, it's got quite sort of peachy characters and creamy characters. So I think that would go very well. But if you're going for a classic red wine, Hamon Bilbao is, is a very good one. And all their wines are vegan and vegetable, obviously vegetarian. Um, and they always have been. Um, but again, it's not necessarily re- reacting to the trend. It's just a matter of course. So come on, Bilbao. They have a fantastic Crianfa, um, which I think is superb. But then if you are going dry in dry January, you might want a, a non-alcoholic wine. And there's a great one out there called Nozeco. And that's also vegan. It's a sparkling de-alcoholized wine. It's available in Sainsbury's, Tesco, Asda, Morrison's and Co-op. And it's only £3.25. So that's great. It's got lots of flavours, sort of mouth-filling Cox apples and a little bit of ginger. So it might go if you've got a spicy haggis it might go well with that with that but um it would it would do equally well i have tried that one and it is good it's surprisingly like like prosecco <laughs> yes yes it is but it, it no it's it's great i think it's so uh, it works it works very well um as far as uh no alcohol no alcohol wines go nice so and what about yourself are you celebrating burns night do you have any plans absolutely any excuse for a celebration <laughs> <laughs> especially in january so, yep yeah, i think it's it's got to be haggis neeps and tatties I I do actually like the vegan haggis and uh, interestingly veggie haggis it's I think something that um, children like as well so having a family I think they they often prefer the veggie haggis to the uh, the full-blown normal one I think it's just it's a little bit lighter and uh, yeah they prefer the flavor so maybe we'll go for the veggie haggis as well well same here I'm going veggie so (laughs) well Diana thank you very much that was really interesting um, and hope you have a lovely burns thank you very much and you too thank you Thanks to all my guests on this episode and thanks to you too for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Scran. Scran is a logical podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me, Ross and Derskin, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton. 